0: the Old Testament that there would be a Savior that would come, and then Jesus makes a promise that he will return.
1: And this chapter, in Titus, in these two verses, Paul's going to tell us how we are to both prepare as we anticipate. So this morning, the Sunday morning of Advent, the first Sunday morning of Advent, is hope. The word hope means this. We
0: anticipate with confidence
1: the return of the cross. Which means we anticipate with confidence our promised salvation. You have no hope if you have no Jesus. You have no hope if you have no salvation. So the first thing we got to look at is this. Do you have the you. I want to answer who is the hope. Not what is the hope, but who is the hope. Hope is a person, not a thing. That's what Paul is going to say to us in this passage. We're going to look at four things in these four verses. The first thing is this in verse 11. We will look at God's grace brings hope. <coughs> then we will look at God's hope transforms us. Then we'll look something, because in something, the grace is a who, again, not a what. So we read it in this way. For the grace of God has appeared. You can circle the word Salvation for all people. So we look at this idea, God's grace then brings us hope, and we we'll see the hope that He calls us to. So I'm making a leap into the passage by saying the grace of God is Christ, He's brought salvation, but then look at verse 13. The whole passage tended to that one word in verse 13. Are what? There's this anticipation of the arrival of salvation for the people of God, and then this is what the angels say. Remember, there's this moment with Mary and Joseph, and Joseph hears that his wife is pregnant, and he's like, "I didn't do it. That's not. exactly what he said. <laughs> <laughs> <better than afterwards. laughs> that's the word. But that's basically what he said. Like, ah, that's not possible. Like, I was obedient. So how's this happen? So then he's like, it out. Stand up. Him, like, hey." And he's going to leave her quietly. <coughs> and remember what the angel of the Lord came and said to Joseph that night. It's what it says in Matthew 20, verse 1, verse 21. He said to her, she married, who bear a son for you. And you shall call his name Jesus. Emmanuel. imagine that moment that Joseph was sitting there, wherever he was, in a field, on his bed, wherever he and the angel are having this conversation, and the angel of the Lord says, hey, there's a hope that's coming, and this is what that hope's going to do. He's going to save all the people. Now, Joseph being a godly man, it says that in the text of Matthew. He would have known the Old Testament, and he would have known there is a savior coming that's going to bring salvation to all. The And now think about the hope that he's got to wait for for nine months. Salvation, of Christ, Christ alone. And we believe that because the rest of the passage will not make sense to us if we do not believe that. If we do not believe that our salvation hinges on the unmerited favor of God, that we are we have received something that we do not deserve, and we have not earned, it's a pretty difficult gospel. Our salvation. Now Paul's going to say, if you believe that the grace of God has appeared at the birth of Christ and has lived for us brought salvation to all the people, then it says this, then God's hope will then transform you. So now Paul is going to say to us, are you, remember what we said, I we determining what the word hope meant and what the word advent meant. We are anticipating and preparing. Now Paul's going to as we're waiting the anticipation of but now Paul says, there's got to be something that's happening in you as you're waiting this is not a waiting room like at the hospital where you're waiting in the the ER waiting to be called in to see the doctor it's not that kind of waiting this is an active waiting on our end as we wait for the Lord to appear and now Paul says as you actively wait your lives Because if you have salvation, then your life has to be different. So now we get to go and look at our lives. Is my life being transformed because of the good news that brings great joy to all of us? what that salvation does for
0: us. It
1: trains us to renounce ungodliness, worldly passions, and to live self controlled, upright, godly lives in this present day. You see two things. The first thing is this the word train. Circle that in your Bible. But catch this the training is not on your end. You read the text, it says, if you take out the pattern here to bring, bring salvation, it says this. For the grace of God is training us. God's grace, Jesus is the one that's training us. Which means all I have to do is be to be in submission to the one that's doing the training. I do not have to train myself. God through Christ is training. That word training means this; it does not mean working out. It's not that that's not the word of Paul in The historically in Paul's writing when he talks about training. He talks about a body. He talks about a wrestler. This is talking about a child. And the word training means this to bring one up or to rear oneself. Same way that a child, I'm bringing up Tennyson or I'm bringing up Cedar. I am training them in that way. I don't put them in a training regiment, I do things for them that they cannot do for themselves. Like you and I, we cannot train to do what Paul is saying. He's saying only Christ can do this for us. He's the only one in our lives that can help us renounce ungodliness. You and I yourself will never renounce ungodliness. It's called sin nature. My sin nature that dwells in me always wants to choose sin. Always. And it's still Those two are constantly at war. But what happens is when I live in submission or obedience to God, then God, through Christ Jesus, is doing the training. And what is the training that he's doing? He's helping me to do what? So listen to your Bible. He's helping me to what? Renounce. Renounce what? Sin. The word renounce in the text this: to deny or disown. That means to walk away from it. training me to do what I cannot do, and what I cannot do is renounce sin, but when I am in submission to Christ Jesus, I can renounce or deny sin. This is all in the process of what we tend or believe on our salvation. Do we believe that we don't have to do anything in our salvation other than to be obedient, and then out of obedience, he helps us to renounce sin. It's going to give you two things negatively and two things positively. It says so these are things you're going to have to renounce. The first is this. You were to renounce on the That means this. It's simple, not Anything that does not look like, smell like, feel like God, we are to let go of. It first tells us to disown. Like God. Now that ought to bring great conviction. Is my life, as I wait for Christ's return,
0: renouncing anything?
1: The pleasures of this world. It's easier for me to renounce the ungodliness than the pleasures of this world. Because while the pleasures of this world may not like me, I don't want comfort. Like worldly passion is comfort. How many of us want comfort? Well, Paul said we got to renounce comfort. And he's going to later on what that looks like. going to give us a model of what that is going to look like. So he says, renounce those things, but then do these three things. And if you renounce these two things, you must do these three things. And, but remember, Why? The first is self controlled lies. That word self control means this a sober minded mind. Which means, is there, and that's what Peter will say later on be sober minded. Because you have an adversary that prowls around like a roaring lion waiting to devour you. So we have to say, Am I sober? Am I thinking? <coughs> do I ha- have this mind? Cannot have a clear-mindedness if you and I do not renounce ungodliness and worldly pleasures. Worldly pleasures do not help us be sober. They make us draw.
0: silver the second thing he says that it's still an upright life does an upright life it simply means this a just life just life meaning this does my life look like justice the justice of God a bright life that I can
1: stand before a holy God the Christ in me. and Christ's righteousness is what brings me justice for God.
0: Not my works, His will work in me. In the last I want to say this: Do those things, verse thirteen. He says, "Waiting
1: for our blessed hope, the hearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ."
0: God's hope. Circle the word "waiting" in your Bible. The word "waiting" in your Bible means this: looking forward to to receive an eternal man.
1: Paul saying, are we
0: waiting? Are we looking
1: forward to it? Are we eager to it? Are we longing to be with God? Which ought to bring us great joy. Which ought to bring us great places to do the other things. Because I'm waiting for the Lord, and I want to live a godly life. I want to live a a life of sober mindedness And I want to be reminded of my salvation. Because without my salvation, I have no hope in the future. Have nothing to look forward to. If you are here this morning and you do not know Christ, you have one thing to look forward to: eternity without him. That is called hell, literally. Hell is simply this. It's not some hot place with a devil with a pitchfork and pointy ears. Hell is this: the absence of God. God is very present here. Now we can deny him all we want, but the very presence of God is here. When you walk outside and you see a tree, Paul said, God is within the tree. Like God's presence is everywhere. But there is a place that there is no presence. Only
0: hell you will ever know. If you're an unbeliever. This is the only heaven you will ever know. If you think this is bad, just wait. But not the waiting that false talking. Do we wait? and need your expectations. The hope that we've been called to, and what's the hope?
1: The hope is Jesus, He will. Yes, he appeared once. He died a sinless, perfect life on our behalf. He went back to the Father, and then he promised us, I will come again. And when I come again, I'm taking all those that belong to me with. Man, I cannot wait for that day. What a joyous day. Yeah. So we had a great hope. And we anticipated and waiting for that hope And then Paul God's grace brings us hope. Not only do we believe that that hope brings transformation, not only do we believe that that does that, that hope have a future, but then Paul says this: that hope does one thing for us. It empowers us. It
0: says in verse fourteen. Who? Who's the who in passage?
1: Our Savior Jesus Christ. What did that Savior do? He gave Himself for us. We Offer himself as a gift to what? Redeem us. That means to buy us back. See, when you sin, you have been sold to Satan, and now he owns. buy you back from all unlawlessness. Everything that you've ever done has been forgiven or been redeemed by Jesus Christ our own. And in doing so, Paul says this in the text, not only does he forgive us, because we need that forgiveness, but he also, what? He purifies us. So we need the forgiveness of our sins, but we need the cleansing of our sins. See, it's one thing that Somebody, it's another thing to cleanse somebody. Your forgiveness of your sin is not what gets you into heaven. It's your purity and your rightness that gets you in the heaven. Because just because you have been forgiven it does not mean you're pure. Your forgiveness will lead to purity, but your purity comes from Christ. Jesus. That's what Paul is talking about that Jesus clothes us in his righteousness. So, being clothed in his righteousness, I get to be presented before God with purity because there is no sin that can get into heaven. So, I need purity. And Paul says this God's hope through Christ empowered me for both forgiveness and
0: purity. Then he goes on to say this purifying one before him.
1: Purity ain't about you. Hey, about your mama, your daddy, your wife, your kids. Your purity, your sanctification, your salvation is for one person, for one person only. Christ Himself. And He says, I'm doing this for myself for another reason. I'm going to create people for my own possession. That's called the church. Where he forgives us, He purifies us to live in unity. doing things before him. If God said in Christ Jesus and people for himself. His own possessions. and the church. And then he said, this is what the church is to do. To do. For his own possession, who? And who now is the church, you and me, who are zealous for good works." Empower me to live in unity with you and you with me so that we can do what? Have zealousness in our good works. Remember what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 and 16. He said that you were the light of the world. Shine to a lost and dying world, we make a difference in this world. i said it here, i said it again. If Kyle's chapel were to be wiped off the face of the planet tomorrow, would our community, Walter Hill, notice any difference? I may have got a little bit darker here. Are we putting up enough light into our city that we are backing into the darkness? Here's how we One way to this text. He said this. Let your light shine before others, so that they may see what? Your good works. But what does he say to us in this text in Titus chapter 2? We are God's possession who are zealous for good works. Why are we zealous for good works? So that we can be a light to the world. And now catch this: the word zeal means this. Seal is not this. He who knew no sin became sin for us, for the salvation of the world. And Paul is not saying to us, be zealous, follow Christ in imitating his good works, which is to bring salvation to all of us. That can only happen through Christ being your hope. And so now we eagerly wait with that level of hope to bring our good works. Into a lost and dying world so that they will not see us, but they will see Christ in us. And through Christ being seen in us, they will have hope for the gospel. Do we realize lost people, they have no hope? They're going to get some Christmas presents, some Christmas morning, but they're not going to wake up with the idea of a hopeful anticipation of Christ's return. They're not going to wake up thinking, Man, I can't wait to get to heaven. All they're going to And yet the greatest present is in right in front of Our good works and that then they will give glory to to God the Father who is in heaven. Our good works.
0: It is Christ that will follow. The result of